0: Two, the smug buds for may 2022 i'm your host will and i'm joined by your other host liz hi liz
1: hey will how are you baby
0: i'm doing okay how are you doing
1: i'm doing okay it's like a super hot day today the high i know that this is not this is pennies for you but the hmm. high 84. It's 84, but like 100% humidity, which we all know is its own beast. And there's supposed to be thunderstorms later that, let me see if my weather channel app still has the little warning on it. The warning was like, later today, highs of, yes, afternoon thunderstorms today, strong storms tomorrow, have a plan and be prepared. What?
0: <laughs> okay. That seems <laughs> a little extreme, but are, all right. <laughs> Um, like,
1: I think it's just supposed to thunderstorm. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Oh, tomorrow. Shit. I didn't actually look at tomorrow's
0: forecast. Oh.
1: Tomorrow's forecast is damaging winds, large hail, and possibly a tornado.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, that is something that you would have to That is something for. that I should yeah. need to have
1: a plan for and be prepared yeah,
0: for. Yeah. It. It's not, not so funny all of a sudden.
1: My plan is to stay inside of my house and work until mm. the internet goes out and then say, oh, no, I can't work. The internet's out.
0: Uh, good, uh, good luck with that. That sounds like a decent plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of weather extremes, uh, it is May 15th when we are recording this. Mm-hmm. And here in Tucson, Arizona, the high today is 103 degrees.
1: Jesus, over already in the one, oh, 100 pluses, huh?
0: That's right. <laughs> uh, it, is, uh, it is summertime now, despite uh, technically summertime being over a month away.
1: Oh, I have some old business. um... Old business. It's related to that summertime sadness you're talking about right now. Lana Del Rey? Yes, which is a... uh, I have a new misheard lyric I learned on Friday.
0: Oh, let's hear it.
1: Okay, so are you familiar with the song Summertime Sadness? I'm a fan. Okay, so here's here's the lyrics. Oh, my God. I feel it in the air, telephone wires above are sizzling like a.
0: I I don't recall.
1: (laughs) Well, I thought it was snail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was thinking about when it's hot.
0: (laughs) Or maybe when you. Pour a little salt on a snail. Yeah,
1: like a mixture between like it being a hot day and it being morning and you putting some salt on a snail because you don't Mm -hmm. want it to eat your tomatoes and then it's going to dry out in the sun.
0: It's going to sizzle.
1: Can you guess what the word is? I'll give you Uh, a clue. I gave you the rhyme and the rhyme word is air.
0: Sizzling like a flare. Oh, my God.
1: Who are you? Auden Egerton? No. (laughs) That's what Auden said, too. It's snare why okay oh my god I can't believe do you know what a snare is like a trap no I mean yes that is a snare but that's not what she's referring to No. a snare drum
0: oh okay do you know what makes a
1: snare drum a snare drum
0: Uh, it sizzles apparently well
1: oh my gosh apparently my few years of percussion between the ages of 10 and 12 are really paying dividends here uh so a snare drum
0: (laughs) this is what the show's about (laughs) it's about one person being like it's normal to not know this and the other one being so smug it's like you're an idiot
1: (laughs) okay so a snare (laughs) drum a snare okay so you have a normal drum what a sound does a normal drum make
0: bum bum bum
1: makes a bum, bum 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 right a snare drum has a series of wires that are in very small coils mm-hmm. that are underneath the drum. And you can initiate or uninitiate this, engage or unengage this snare. Sure. And that's the snare. So when you hit that, you get the bump, 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 but then you get a tss, tss,
2: tss, tss mm-hmm. two.
1: And so sizzling like a snare is, I think, actually quite a beautiful metaphor Uh, Way more beautiful than what I thought it was originally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those things where it's like, is it absolutely literal that you would use that? No, but I think it's just sort of like the one degree of separation from reality enough that makes it like a beautiful line of writing.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: (laughs) But I also had to have this exact same conversation with Auden. Sure. Where they were like, (laughs) what... I was like, do you know what makes a snare drum a snare drum? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, that's why this doesn't make sense to you.
0: Yeah, it kind of gives you an indication that you might be the outlier. <laughs> and not either one of us.
1: Did none of you go to, I guess, endless punk rock shows as a youth?
0: Nope. <laughs> Very much no.
1: Do you have any old business, my love?
0: I don't think I do. I, I, I've been thinking about what it means to go a month in between podcast recordings and all of the different media that I consume in a month. And I feel like I have like a long laundry list of like, I watched this and I started playing that. None of it is particularly old business, but it's just, it's just catch-up material.
1: I know that... We'll probably talk about this at length, but I just want to say sort of like as a general statement that I did see WandaVision the movie.
0: Um, <laughs> yes. So that's and, one. of the, Yeah.
1: And it's my favorite one.
0: It's so. So we <laughs> both saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi is the subject of blank the Blank Check podcast currently. Mm hmm when we're recording this, they are a week away from starting to cover the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: and so I was very invested in whether the new Doctor Strange was going to look and feel like a Sam Raimi movie. And I got exactly what I wanted. It, it, it uh, in a, in a lot of ways feels like a, like an evil dead movie, but, yeah. but through the, you know, Marvel superhero lens.
1: I can't wait to see that movie again. And I think I I think I told you this, but okay. So just I mean I guess just general vibe spoilers for the movie if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment that Wanda show, showed up, I started crying. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I
1: literally did not stop crying until the credits. Yeah. Um, and part of that was Elizabeth Olsen's acting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and specifically something that broke me about it was how willing she, maybe not Elizabeth Olsen, but how willing the character was to just cry as she's being like a quote unquote hysterical woman who's like being unfair or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the first time it really happens is when she's floating above the place that I can't remember the name of. Yeah. And she is talking
0: commer- to- commer Thank you. Yeah.
1: And- She's basically saying, like, this is me being reasonable, just let me do what I need to mm-hmm. do. And she's she's fucking weeping. Yeah. And I don't I can't think of another time that I've seen that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really affected me. So that's yeah. those that's like my big sort of takeaway right now.
0: It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, this might be your year uh for uh enjoying the MCU. Because- well and you know what's coming to theaters next.
1: It's Thor with Natalie Portman.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's Natalie Portman as Thor. <laughs> oh, which and, is and
2: pretty,
1: also pretty I was big saying, for you. Like, one, like, that's gonna be amazing. And that looks like a great movie. Like, the trailer looks great.
2: Love also, that like,
1: this is so far, hands down, this is my favorite Marvel movie. Kenny agrees. Nice. Um, but also, my favorite DC movie has come out this year, which is The Batman, mm, is my yeah. favorite Batman movie ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a totally valid take, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say it. Uh, I'm thinking of, um, you know, I think uh, calling the new Doctor Strange your favorite Marvel uh, is totally valid. Uh, yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm just pulling up my own list on Letterboxd. And, I, and The
1: other thing too is like, I don't even necessarily, these are, these are two movies where it's like, I don't even necessarily expect anybody else to agree with me because I have such specific reasons that they're my favorite.
0: This, this, obviously this might move around. I, I need more time to think about the movie and digest, but it's been a couple of weeks. And right now I have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at number seven. Yeah, out, that's good. Out of 28. So that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty good.
1: That's top, top quarter
0: yeah um, just outside the top five so mm-hmm. um, that's a uh, tough list to uh, to crack uh, that so so highly so yeah that that speaks to how much I enjoyed it yeah that's that's sort of the best crossover between old business because we talk about the Marvel movies and uh, just general catching up. Like uh, something that I think might come up in our conversation organically. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to come up inorganically. Uh, we watched Severance.
1: Were you so happy? Yes. I know Dana loved it and I had to assume that you did too because yeah. she didn't say Will hated it for some reason. But I no. loved it. No, I'm we, obsessed.
0: We we agree on this. <laughs> it is it is obsession worthy.
1: And I know, too, so for our goslings, I had, for a couple of weeks, I've been, like, I'm always very nervous, not very nervous, that ma- that sounds, I feel like that would make you feel bad. That's not what I mean. I always want to make sure that I can fully explain why I like something to Will when I suggest it to him. hmm <laughs> Because I want to make sure that he actually will like it. hmm And, um... With this, I just kept being like, no, I think, I, Will, like, I think you need to watch this. Like, I've never felt more certain yeah. <laughs> about a television show that you will
0: like. <laughs> the, bu- the buzz about it just built and built, and uh, yeah, it's totally worthy of the the buzz and the hype that it's gotten. Also, like, um, Adam
1: Scott, I think we've talked about Adam Scott before, as, like, he, in Parks and Rec, plays this sort of, like, do-gooder, so to speak, who, because everybody on that show is sort of a do gooder in one way mm-hmm. or another. Yeah, and then everything else that you ever see him in, he's kind of like a piece of shit, right. and I hate that for him. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I know that that's his shtick, but I don't like it, and so I feel like we got to have like a third Adam Scott in this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets he, I, he gets to do and a, a lot. fourth. It's it's uh, uh, a <laughs> there's there's range. He shows range. I I feel like I'm in a uh, slightly weirder, slightly different position because as as much as I watched Parks and Rec and have seen Adam Scott and other things I feel like if you add up the hours that I've seen him on screen it might be dwarfed by the hours I've spent listening to him via podcast
1: absolutely I thought you were gonna bring that up yeah
0: yeah and so there's a bunch of moments in severance where he will the way he laughs or like a little affectation you know he does a funny voice for a moment. All of them just feel like, oh, that's like, that's Adam Scott bringing Adam Scott, the man, like yeah. to this character <laughs> in this performance, because it just sounds so familiar to what I've heard on, um, you know, his various music podcasts with Scott Ackerman. Uh, and so that that was just, just like a little, little Easter egg for my, for my biases.
1: Yeah, that's like you, you. Did I tell you that I figured out who Ben Schwartz's secret girlfriend is?
0: Oh no, I saw your, I, I you, you sort of vaguely tweeted about that, and I. I will I not did, be
1: revealing this publicly. I will tell you off-air because I respect Ben Schwartz.
0: I did not know you were talking about uh, Ben Schwartz.
1: But yes, it was a similar situation where I just consumed so much media mm-hmm. that I suddenly had information that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs>
0: Fascinating. It literally
1: okay. lay revealed itself to me. Like, I did essentially mm. no work to find this information. Right. Um. Side note, something that uh, I have suggested to you in the past, because I know that this one particular thing is good, is the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror.
0: Okay. So let's get into it. Um, I am going to uh, reveal... Uh, what you already know, the topic of uh, this month's episode. And I am going to say it to you now. And as I set myself up for saying it, uh, the screen, the aspect ratio is going <laughs> to squeeze in on my Zoom window. And I am going to bide time for an agonizing like 20 to 30 seconds while I. Pu- hmm. Someone. I want to say what this topic is about, but it's as if someone else needs to tell me. I've clicked, I've clicked But what it, but on what? Tell us <laughs> but 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 on the podcast you always say it.
1: Oh right. so do you want me to say it? Please. We're going to talk about Bandersnatch, which I feel completely neutral about by the way.
0: I just had the idea to talk about Bandersnatch for this episode. <laughs>
1: So this has uh, been your back pocket topic for a while.
0: And I just remembered why.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like right before we started recording, <laughs> I remembered why I did uh, Bandersnatch in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and and it was because of this uh, podcast. So, so prior to today, I was going to tell you for context, oh, okay, um... We've been in the pandemic mode for over two years. Mm-hmm. I We're at this moment where I have some perspective, like a lot of people do, I think, on what was uh, strange, what seems even stranger now about the early days mm-hmm. of um, being cooped up from COVID. Uh, and... Uh, I was going to say the first like few months are particularly strange in my memory, not just because it was new, but because during that time we were shopping for a new house. Right. That's right. (laughs) And despite the the pandemic, we were successful. And so that summer we moved.
1: Well, you you guys actually came in at the best time because- You basically, for those of you who are listening to this in 20 years and don't remember, um, when the pandemic started, interest rates just fucking plummeted. Yep. And so if you had the money, like if you had perhaps been planning to buy a house, it Mm -hmm. was actually the best fucking time to buy a house. Yep. Um, And that lasted pretty much through the summer, I want to say. And by the end of the summer, the housing market had gone bonkers, where basically Everybody was trying to buy a house. People were selling their houses. Part of this was because the interest rates had gone down, but also part of it was just the general mood of like, "Oh shit, I don't want to." If I'm gonna have to be stuck inside all day, I might as well love the place I live.
0: Yeah. So um, we took advantage of that at at the right time, and uh, so my point in bringing this up is that I think that most of us have a brain fog associated with memories of that time mm-hmm. when uh, you know time moved differently and many of us were doing things that we wouldn't normally do. And looking back, you might ask the question like why why did I spend time doing that? Yeah. And, and and add add to that the fact that those first like four months of quote unquote lockdown, if I can call it that, yeah, we're also the last months that we spent in our previous home, the rental that we lived in for five years, and then we moved. And so it, it feels like a very foggy, mysterious time. And so that was the context for, huh, it was during that time that I watched that I decided to watch Bandersnatch, something <laughs> that's not normal for me, because I don't watch Black Mirror. And, and yes. I'll say more about that in a moment. Here's here's the revelation. I looked back at our own podcast archives, <laughs> and I realized, oh, April 2020 is when I did an episode of this podcast about Telltale Games.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: That's the reason I watched Bandersnatch. It was it was context for the Telltale Games episode. What? I was because because Tellt- Bandersnatch is like an extension of the Telltale Games. Oh. version of a video game right yes where it's yes. mostly narrative and you make choices for the main character right and that's supposed to guide the story in this revolutionary way yeah um you can't believe you know how many branching paths there are or whatever and so i was like oh, okay if i'm gonna talk about telltale games for an episode i like to know is there something to this bandersnatch thing and what i encountered Was something that I was so smug about that I was like, (laughs) oh, I might, I have, I have to do a whole episode about this Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's so fascinating. I think we have to get to the bottom of how bad is it yeah, or um, how, how good are parts of it? Yeah. Um, Okay. So now let's back up and for a different way to approach the context. Let's talk about Black Mirror.
1: Can we, so, really quick, can we explain what Bandersnatch is? I do realize we have not actually set a baseline for that in case somebody a, doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about.
0: So so Black Mirror is a show on Netflix, but it's British for some reason. So and it,
1: it, it, it originally was only British. Yeah. And then Netflix bought it.
2: Right.
0: And uh, it Black Mirror is basically, uh, what if the Twilight Zone was all about modern technology? Mm -hmm. every story they told was about uh your your smartphone or whatever obviously before that black mirror the title referred to and you know this as well as i do a great song by arcade fire yes that's the only
1: thing it referred to
0: du mirror noir black mirror and then it was co-opted by the brits yes who made this show and now it's a netflix show um and uh Bandersnatch is a special episode of Black Mirror uh that came out about five years ago. It was in 2018. And God, it, that
1: was five years ago. Jesus. Four. Four it, years ago.
0: Four years ago, yeah. Sorry. I rounded Still it up.
1: though, my God.
0: <laughs> it was it, I think it was 2018, if I remember correctly, my research, which is minimal. Uh and uh it's it is interactive to the extent that uh there is a main character, and sometimes he will have a choice to make. And the show, like much like a Telltale video game...
1: Much like a choose-your-own-adventure story.
0: ...will stop down so that you can choose between two options. Uh, and then uh, he, uh, by and large, uh, makes the choice that you choose. And that is supposed to... Uh, you know, each choice is supposed to be a branching path that the story goes down, although that's only sometimes the case. So uh, that's what Bandersnatch is. And that's why I bring up Black Mirror. To remind me, to what extent have you watched Black Mirror?
2: I
1: have watched um, some episodes of Black Mirror that Kenny deemed... That I could because it's like a horror. It's horror, you know.
0: Ostensibly,
1: and um. Oh, some a lot of them. I just
0: your point is you would not normally watch that because you won't watch something that's too scary.
1: It's not even that it's scary. It's just that it's like it becomes like trauma porn. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so some episodes of it, I think. For example, I think the kill hang the DJ the hang the hang the DJ episode, I think, is good. Um, San Junipero is its own situation. San Junipero might as well not be an episode of Black Mirror as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay, so... Um,
1: and then I've seen, like, a couple of the other episodes. And I did actually watch it. The first time I watched Black Mirror was on the BBC, like, BBC mm. America at Kenny's parents' house. Yeah. And it was the episode about the, like, um, everybody has to work out to be allowed money. <laughs> And there's yeah. like a TV show.
0: <laughs> not not familiar with that. So let let me tell you what I'm familiar with. And then I would like you to tell me a little bit more about the specifics that, that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe other than Bandersnatch, I've watched two episodes of Black Mirror. One of them was... On my own, I just decided I might like the show, so I will start from the beginning. And so mm-hmm. I've seen the first. Oh, episode. the first
1: episode is like the worst one, right?
0: It sucks really bad, and yeah. that's why I didn't keep watching it. Yeah, the first episode is, if I remember correctly, about uh, a relative. I want to say could. I want to say it's not his daughter, but like his niece or something. Of the prime minister that's is right. kidnapped. Yeah. And the ransom for her that the kidnappers uh, publicize is the prime minister. uh, You might hear Angie walking by. Um, The prime minister has to um, have sex with a pig on TV. Yes. On live TV. Yes. And then there is an hour of uh, them trying to prevent this by catching the kidnappers, Mm -hmm. which they don't. Mm hmm. And then in the end, he does it, and everyone is glued to their televisions to watch it. Yes. And before it even begins, the kidnappers release the abducted woman, uh-huh. and everyone watching, like... It hates it, and but in a way where they're like silently disturbed by it, like 100% of the nation mm-hmm. is just watching and they're speechless and yeah. they're uncomfortable. And then when it's over, somebody says like, oh, we, we found her. She's fine. They didn't even cut off her finger like they pretended to. They released her before... The first thrust, I guess, he could have not done it. If only we weren't all glued to our televisions, we would have known <laughs> that they released her, and he didn't have to go yeah. through with it. And that, I guess, is supposed to be poignant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that sucked really bad, as I said. And then the o- other episode that I've watched is because. Uh, Sarah recommended it, and this is one of a few occasions I can think of where not only did Sarah recommend something, but went like, why don't we just watch it right now? And so we watched it with Sarah because she was recommending it. Yeah. And it's the episode with Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay. Where basically there's an app where anyone can rate anyone on their oh yes interactions with them yes and your rating determines like everything about your standing in society yes everyone uh refers to it so much um which was fine and i like bryce dallas howard and i enjoyed watching her uh perform and uh I meant so okay here's a question I meant to research but I forgot
1: I have seen that episode too by the way
0: the question uh the important question is who did it first Black Mirror or Community because I know I had seen the episode of Community first Mm -hmm. but it's possible that Black Mirror actually got to it first and I just watched them in reverse chronological order Mm -hmm. but the Black Mirror episode was kind of spoiled for me By the fact that there is an episode of uh, Community Season 5 where Greendale lets in these app developers to basically beta test their app, which does the exact same thing, except except the points that you're rated on are called Meow Meow Beans. (laughs) Um, And it is one of the best episodes of Community. Um, It is extremely good and funny. At least that's how I remember it. I haven't watched it. I don't think uh, I've I don't think that
1: was one of the episodes I think that was one of the episodes I did not see. Okay. Because uh, I got most of the way through community and then I was on maternity leave and then I just sort of stopped when I got off maternity leave.
0: That's that's a that's a worth watching episode. Um so so here's here's what I think I know about Black Mirror other than what I've seen. There... Their marketing has insisted that I know and that I never forget about two episodes that I haven't seen. And I and, and what I'm aware of about them is one of them has Miley Cyrus.
1: Yes, I think I don't think I've seen that one.
0: And I think she plays like a robot who's like an Alexa or something, but you know, looks more like a little robot. Yeah. And there's an episode where um, I guess they just did like a take on Star Trek. And I think it... Oh, star- yes.
1: That episode is good, too. That was I, like the first... Um, that was like the opening episode of one of their like new new
0: seasons at some point. And I think it stars Jesse Plemons.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. And
0: yeah. I know that because that they made that like the face of the show when that season was premiering. So... Um, so neither of those have anything to do with the episode that you are recommending, but I haven't seen. Can I, is, do, you want,
1: do you want to know about that episode? Can I tell you?
0: Yeah. Can you tell me about it?
1: So San Ju- So, okay. I know we're going to talk more about Black Mirror and stuff like that, but part of my problem with Black Mirror, like I said before, is it just becomes sort of like trauma porn like
0: mm-hmm. let's
1: make a show that's the most horrific thing you can imagine uh, like you have to fuck a pig on live television right that's like the most horrifying thing you can imagine right or like one of them right it's
0: stupid it it feels like it's just done for shock value it doesn't, exactly doesn't feel like there's any substance or point of view or message behind that story
1: so San Junipero is about a um woman who is nearing the end of her life, um, who gets to, um, go, well, well, what order does it go in? So it's about this place called San Junipero, and these people that are living there are like, um, there are, there are permanent residents and there are like visitors or guests, and basically... They're like at like a club or whatever and they're dancing and it's like fun and then people just have to leave at some point. And you re- you learn throughout the episode that this is a place where it's essentially a virtual reality where there are – the souls of dead people have been downloaded. And the people that are visiting are people that are near to the end of their life. And if you are near to the end of your life, you can only visit basically um, once a week, like on a Friday – Um, Because they don't want people to only live there if they can live their regular lives. So it's very – it's controlled. And um, it's a queer love story. I mean, that's part of the reason why it was so popular is because it's this, like, queer love story where, um, you know, I think it came out, I want to say, in, like, 2014 or something like that. So – even if, you know, every year you go back at this point, the level of queer representation and, like, queer love stories, like, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, especially ones where people don't die.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and,
1: I mean, there is some death involved in this, but it's not, like, the it's, like, through death that they can come together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's, it's really beautiful. It's really fun. It's not this sort of horrifying thing. Um, you, I, 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 I really do think you should watch it. Mm-hmm. But you'll see queer people who now will have pins that say, like, San Junipero permanent resident, essentially saying, like, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So, like, when you the other day were, like, when we were talking about um, downloading your brain. Yeah. That's what San Junipero is.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and it's, like, whether or not you even agree with that, te- with that technology being a good idea or a bad idea, I think it's, like, I think it's a really well-done episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out, but also Once Bitten, Twice Shy, you know. Uh, well,
1: nobody fucks a pig in this episode. I can tell you that right now.
0: Yeah, that was my assumption going into the first episode. <laughs> I
2: this,
1: this, this is what I will say about San Junipero. If you mm-hmm. watch San Junipero, just pretend it's not a Black Mirror episode.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's also written and directed by people that don't normally write and direct on Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. So just imagine it's its own thing. That somehow got stuck under this banner.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I may check it out, and and you vouching for it uh, means something. Uh, so I I I believe I believe you, and I put some some faith in that. Um, you've uh, you you've you've earned it. You you uh, watched Severance before I, before I did, and <laughs> and you. Uh, yeah, I, I can verify that you were correct. But yes, uh, I I just good. want to
1: say I agree with you that, yeah, I also would not have watched that episode after seeing what I had seen of Black Mirror if Kenny hadn't said, no, I think you're going to like this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: it won't make you feel bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Good to know. All right. So moving on to Bandersnatch specifically. Um, you've watched this. Mm-hmm. You said earlier you are neutral about it.
1: Yeah, I guess it just felt like a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I guess so. Like you know, if we're going, I don't mean to take too much of your episode here, but please.
0: If we're going I don't have and- any notes. I realized right before we started, like, <laughs> oh, I could have taken notes, like I've done for the Handmaid's Hours. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I'm winging it. And so,
1: when I was a kid, I loved the choose your own. Ad- so choose your own adventure, by the way, is a copyrighted term. Okay. So, uh, which I remembered because I. This is completely unrelated, but I had um, tweeted about a review I wrote of Carmen Ria Machado's um, In the Dream House. Which have you read that book? Yes. So, you know how it has the Choose Your Own Path section? Mm-hmm. I had written this review not for anything except the intranet at work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so I had posted it because I was like, nobody's ever going to see this. And I had called it Choose Your Own Path in that. And I was like, why did I do that? And then I was like, oh, right. Because Choose Your Own Adventure is this, like, it's this term. It's a brand. It's a branded term. It's copyrighted.
0: I'm pretty so, sure they use it in Bandersnatch.
1: They might be referring to an actual choose-your own adventure book, or what? they just said "fuck you" to the choose-your own adventure. Here's brand. the
0: context in which I think they use it. Um, it's it's going to be really hard to explain some of this stuff without <laughs> really getting into the weeds of the story, which is fine. We just have to do that. But yeah, that's fine. Um, The main character, Stefan, as as, well, Stefan is the the way that the British people say it in the show. Um, He's making a video game, which is uh, like a telltale game, choose your own adventure, but it's the 80s, but he's not making up an original story. He's adapting a book called Bandersnatch. And he, I believe he refers to it as a choose your own adventure book.
1: I have an answer for you.
0: The book, by the way, and this is one of the things I knew I wanted to say about it. The book is the size of Infinite Jest.
1: Yes, it is. It's the size of Dune.
0: Yeah. That's what I think of. The cover looks, yeah, it does make it look like a Dune type book. I'm, I've never, I'm not ruling out the possibility Mm-hmm. Lots of different weird things exist. Lots of things have been done. I've never heard of a choose-your-own-adventure book the size of Infinite Jest.
1: No, they're all for
0: children, right? Or I, at uh, least the ones that we've encountered have been for children. It's it just it it seems it it's one of those like oh yeah you can make up whatever stuff you want but there's like a suspension of disbelief angle where like. When he says, like, this book I'm holding, Bandersnatch, is a choose-your-own-adventure book, and it looks like Dune or Infinite Jest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, huh This doesn't – they're not ta- – taught. what he doesn't say is, this is a totally unique choose-your-own-adventure book. Somebody took choose-your-own-adventure and made it 8,000 pages long. No, he's just like, I'm adapting this choose-your-own-adventure book. song. <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> so big it doesn't uh i it yeah anyway
1: so we are both correct
0: mm-hmm.
1: on january 11th 2019 choose
0: co ah. who owns
1: the trademark now choose co. initiated a trademark infringement legal challenge against net against netflix for the film black mirror <sighs> bandersnatch so we were both right he does say it and I'm correct that it's trademarked
0: (laughs) I'm so happy you found that and I'm mad at myself for not doing more research because that's exactly the sort of thing that I want to know and talk about Uh, but so
1: the thing yeah so the thing I was saying is like I loved those books as a kid because mm -hmm. there's like it's like a weird it's an anything as a kid specifically to me that challenged the codex like the codex form I thought was like interesting that's also why I love the monster at the end of this book right um which is the Grover <laughs> children's book?
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah. So like that makes sense. That that's fun. And then you know you you'll talk more about Telltale. So I guess it just makes sense to me that somebody would have made this at some point.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I
1: guess I see it more of like I feel I feel I feel neutrally about it because I just see it as like I did it. Mm-hmm. It's like what 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 else have I compared this to? But it's like eating at Olive Garden.
0: Okay. I ate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes fuel fuel for the tank Yeah. Uh, so okay let's get into what i think is remarkable about this and and first i want to i want to get granular cuz the the Love the real, to get granular the real like what makes this a smug buds like angle on this topic is that what i think is important is the little things that are so little that they seem like they shouldn't be important but i think they break the whole thing that could have otherwise worked and been yeah. good
1: so so i guess a question i have for you is you don't think that the format is the issue
0: i think mm, i mean like would
1: you like would you like to see a successful choose your own adventure movie or do you think that that's impossible
0: no, I don't think that that's impossible, and I think that that is a worthwhile endeavor in theory. Okay. I, I'd like to watch, to talk about why I think this is a failed example yes, good. of that okay. endeavor. So, okay, to to illustrate one of my uh, big problems with this that, mm-hmm. that made it a, a topic, for this show, I need to take you through... <laughs> Beat by beat. Yes. Like the first, like, I don't know, almost half an hour. Yeah. This is how... This is one way, for context of what I want to share with you, this is one way that it might go. Okay. Stefan wakes up. (laughs) We meet him. He goes downstairs. It's breakfast time with dad. Mm -hmm. He explains that he has a meeting with this successful video game company and it's because he's independently working on his own game, adapting the book I mentioned before. He explains all this so that the audience knows it. And uh, dad's like, you want to choose your own adventure, eh? What cereal do you want for breakfast? And then the viewer gets their first choice. And it doesn't matter. It just introduces you to the mechanic of how it's a teaching. It's a teaching moment. Play. He has breakfast. He leaves. He takes the bus. He has a Walkman or something. You choose the music that he listens to. That music scores the scene that follows. He arrives at TuckerSoft. He meets uh, Mohan Tucker, the boss who uh, introduces him uh, to uh, Colin Rittman, who is basically Stefan's hero. He's the hotshot video game developer. They meet. He's like, I'm going to show you what I'm working on. And (laughs) the game crashes and Colin says why. And then the three of them go into the boss's office and... uh, Stefan shows off what he's been working on, and the boss is impressed, and he says, "You can work here, you can make it here. You will be the head of a team. Uh, there will be people working for you to develop this game. What do you say? And then the viewer gets the uh, choice between accept and refuse. Mm-hmm. You can choose accept. Which is the option on the left. There is no way to choose nothing. Yes. Because one of the choices is always hovered over by default. Mm-hmm. There's a timer. And when the timer runs out, if you haven't clicked on one of the options, it will choose whatever was hovered over. Except is on the left, it's being hovered over. It's sort of if there's a default between the two, it's the default. Stefan accepts the offer. Cut to uh, the game is being reviewed on a TV show about mm-hmm. video games in the that 80s. That shows up
1: a bunch of times, yeah.
0: This is a recurring thing. It's one way that the that Bandersnatch signals to you, you've reached an ending or a dead end. Mm-hmm. The video game reviewer says... Uh, The game feels like it was designed by committee. It's not very good. And Stefan is watching and he insists, I'm going to try again. And then it starts over, but it speeds through the introductory material. You don't choose the serial again. You don't choose the music again. It speeds through all that, but it doesn't speed all the way to the choice of accept or refuse, it somewhat seemingly arbitrarily goes back to normal pace when he arrives and he's meeting people mm-hmm. at TuckerSoft. And when the boss introduces him to Colin, Colin says, uh, "Haven't we met before?" And Stefan's like, "I don't think so." Let Let me show you what I'm working on. He plays the game. The game crashes. And this time Stefan can say exactly why it crashed. He's just repeating what Colin said in the earlier version of this scene. Mm -hmm. So we're confronted with, okay, this guy Colin seems special because he has a sense that they've met before. But Stefan doesn't. So it seems like, oh, okay, Stefan is not carrying the, the show seems to want us to know that the main character is not carrying the knowledge of stuff that you've redone. And then that's immediately undone by Stefan using information that he shouldn't have Mm -hmm. because it was in the path that you've restarted. Okay, that's one way it could go.
1: Also, as a side note, I think it's worth mentioning that almost every single person, I think, when they're doing this for the first time, chooses accept there because you think that you have to accept – of course you're going to accept. You know what I mean? Like, of course – the and key- so I feel like it's also functioning as, you don't ha- clearly there's somebody out there who's going to be like, hey, I'm going to refuse. But like, I feel like it's also functioning as a teaching moment for exactly the reason that you just.
0: It is supposed to teach you about reaching a dead end and, it, mm-hmm. and then afterwards teach you about, oh, there's going to be some kind of blending of timelines. People should know stuff that they shouldn't know. But you set me up perfectly. Because the key word in what you said is almost. Yeah. and You imagined the little stinker who would refuse the offer on their first playthrough. That's me. <laughs> the, point, the point I want to make is that I refused immediately because, not just because I'm a little stinker, but because yeah. that is the interesting thing to do. <laughs> that is the thing that would make the story interesting and they have written it like they expect you not to go with that. Yeah. More importantly, here's what I've really been driving at. Yeah. Eventually, whether you do this all in one sitting or like I did initially, you do it in a couple of different sittings. There will be moments where you get a recap of the story so far mm-hmm. where... It starts at the beginning, but the aspect ratio is different to signal that we're just doing a previously on and everything goes super fast and you don't have those choice moments until it widens out and you're like, okay, now I'm in the present moment again and I will have a moment of control coming up soon. Here's what happened to me. My experience with this Mm -hmm. is I never accepted, I refused, eventually I came to a recap And part of the recap was Colin saying, haven't we met before? Something that I never saw because I never repeated that interaction. Yes. But the assumption is built in Mm -hmm. that you're going to choose one and not the other, that you're going to choose the less interesting, more boring one. Yeah. And so you're going to get that scene where something's repeated, but it's different. So I knew something was wrong and something was broken when there was a recap with a scene that I never saw, and I immediately clocked, oh, I understand why they have the assumption that I would have seen this and why this is important for the story. And so it's in a recap. The immediate that the it's broken. It, yeah. it, 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 it's not functional as it should be. It's not as cleaned up it's not as tight uh as a as a finished product should be yes okay so that's one small thing here's another small thing it it should be small in theory mhm but this is this is what makes the whole thing a failure in my opinion
1: <laughs> okay okay
0: i've already said why it's broken but why yes. where it really fails uh huh is uh, what I referenced uh, uh, before when I was setting up the topic, which is the the moments when you have a choice. Mm-hmm. What's re- what's really awful is, uh, in my opinion, the way I the way I uh, experienced it was I I basically quickly come to dread those moments. Yeah. Because it takes so long. Yeah. Because there's a timer. And when you choose something before the timer runs out, that doesn't trigger the next scene. Yeah. The timer keeps going. And you have to wait for the timer to run out. And it's not like, oh, they, um, they pause it. It's not like, oh, it goes to a freeze frame. While the timer is running out, there are shots and sometimes there's dialogue. Yes. And it's just wheel spinning. Yeah. And then even when the timer runs out, there's consistently always this thing where like the score drops out. Yeah. And then the next and then it just like quietly like there's the momentum is just plummets. I feel like.
1: With those things, if I was the person designing it, and I wanted it to be as, like, nice as possible, Mm -hmm. I feel like I would be like, wow, wouldn't it be great if this was seamless, would be my first thought. Mm -hmm. And my second thought would be, we need to create some tension. Yep. And my third thought would be... We need to make sure that this is accessible mm-hmm. because people are going to be doing this on their k- TV. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing it on their computer, maybe on a tablet.
0: Yep, which is how I first did it,
1: and and we first did it on our TV. I did it on my computer today. I didn't get very far, but I just was sort of remembering how it went. Yeah, which is to say, I can see why that is what they chose. Um, especially when you're looking at terms of, like, accessibility, because if there was somebody that had, like, you know, any sort of, like, limited mobility or something like that, I feel like there's enough time there. Uh, that said, yeah, I think it doesn't actually work well. (laughs) Like, I, I, like, I understand, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I fully understand what's under the iceberg, but I just feel like it's not actually, like, just, just have it. Especially since it's, like, the 80s and there's all these, like, other medias that we're talking about. Like, there's a cassette player. There's a record. Like, just have a record scratch and, like, pause it Mm. until you pick.
0: Yes. Record scratch is great. So you use the word seamless, which I think is a great word for the opposite of what this is. It's it's just like shoving seams in your face and you're like, I don't want to look at that.
1: I mean like the the video itself like the the video itself doesn't stop. That's exactly exactly. Yeah.
0: I think in I don't I I I I don't know for sure unless I could design it myself and test it and experience Mm -hmm. it. But in theory, I think the best version of this is like a record record scratch, it actually freeze frames.
1: Yeah, and you get like weird lines, like on a VHS.
0: Th- that's a great idea. Aesthetically, that is perfect. Yes, yes they exactly. didn't do that for some reason. No. Bad choice. <laughs> um, it it literally pauses. There is no timer. Mm-hmm. It's except you have all the time if you if if you're you know. If it's hard for you to physically make the choice you have all the time you need, Mm -hmm. maybe to go with your uh, aesthetic for what this would look like. I was going to say maybe there's some like ominous like sound like in it, but maybe it's like tape hiss, like maybe there's a tape hiss sound so that there's no score that needs to fade or be interrupted. There's but there is something to hear and it's ominous. And then when it starts up again, it's like, you know, action starts immediately. Yes. Whereas in the way it actually is, is there's just this, there's this insufferable moment where it feels <laughs> like it's as if every time you make a choice, there's an establishing shot yeah. before the scene begins. That's not literally what happens, but no, that's, no, what do you mean? that's the effect of it because it, it just, it just it, Eases itself back into okay. There's this like quiet beat where like nothing happens, and it's like oh the the pacing is awful. And and in in any show, pacing might be a problem. Mm-hmm. But in addition to just like oh pacing that could be better. Yeah. Th- there's there's something else going on which is. You can apply the, you know, the what you apply to video game mechanics. Mm -hmm. You can apply to the mechanics of how this interactivity works. As, 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 uh, I think Heather Ann Campbell was the one to recently say on the uh, video game podcast that I most listen to, which is now called Get Played. And used to be called. How did this get played? Mm. Um, she her, her, she 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 made the point that that others have made. If if uh, no one would play Super Mario Brothers, if it didn't feel good to make Mario jump, if if yeah it, that's if it, true yeah if it wasn't fun and it didn't operate the way that you think it should, or you can easily learn okay, I know how high, how far, Mm -hmm. like it's consistent. If it wasn't fun and it didn't feel good, no one would play it. I don't want to keep watching Bandersnatch. I don't (laughs) want it to keep giving me the interactivity, which is supposed to be the whole point of the thing and which is supposed to 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 make it special. I don't want to keep doing that because it just throws – a roadblock into the momentum and it's agony every time mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that timer to go down uh, and for the scenes to, to, you know, progress to, to yeah. pick back up again. Okay. So, so that's why the thing is broken and failed mechanically.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you just if I'm wasn't being totally clear, I agree with you.
0: Thank you very much. Now let's talk about the story. Yes so um b- before Dana ever saw this, I posed a question to Dana, and I did not get the response that I was looking for <laughs> and I can't pose this question to you because you've watched it and you know what it's about
2: mm-hmm.
0: but the the question that I want to pose is and and you know, I'm speaking out of hindsight bias, yeah. If I could pose this question to my past self who is not familiar with Bandersnatch I don't know if I would get the answer I was looking for mm-hmm. But the question I have is okay say you are tasked with writing the story of mm-hmm. the TV show that you can inter- that the audience can interact with making mm-hmm. choices for the main character what is the laziest premise that you could come up with
1: oh yes somebody <laughs> yeah i see what you're saying
0: it's about someone it's meta it's meta it, it is it is about someone who loves a choose your own adventure book and they are making an interactive experience in this case a video game where the player makes choices that guide the story down certain paths and you are controlling that person.
1: And then it becomes like, like spooky because of that.
0: Because they are vaguely aware of what's happening and they become more and more aware of it. And it is about their mental unraveling as a result of this. And you can read it as literally as you want, or as metaphorically as you want. This is uh, like the experience of someone who has, I don't know, I hope it's not offensive for me to just reach into the DSM grab bag and pull out mm, schizophrenia, let's say, uh, who who has delusions that they are not in control of their own actions. Um, This is a story about that that person a person like that having that sort of experience and all of that is a metaphor for the framework of the what's literally going on and you have Mm -hmm. that control and you use that mechanic to to make choices for them um so
1: wait what did dana say
0: I don't remember this. This was years ago.
1: Oh, this was when this this was initially.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't remember what what Dana said, but they. <laughs> I was like, I wanna know
1: what Dana thinks is lazy.
0: <laughs> Dana did not immediately think of oh, going meta with it and writing a story about writing this type of story. Yeah. Um, but I so, I'm. You can tell I'm I'm uh, being smug about this means being pretty closed minded about it, but. I want to say that I'm slightly open-minded to other possibilities when I pose the question: Is this, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously there's a whole history of choose-your-own-adventure books, games such as the Telltale games where you do this sort of thing, but yeah, let's let's accept or assume that Bandersnatch on Netflix is this revolutionary first step into taking that to television yeah and the tv show where you can interact with it on this level let's assume that that this is the first of its kind okay i honestly i'm not sure i don't think i've come to a conclusion regarding the question that i'm posing is it a good clever idea or a bad lazy idea Mm -hmm. that the first story you were going to tell in this medium is taking it straight to like basically the most meta place possible
1: yeah i just feel like i understand why they did it because if you're again it's like i feel i feel similarly to this as i feel about the mechanics right where it's like I can fully imagine the reasoning here where it's like our show's about technology, our show's about technology gone wrong, our show is spooky. Or, or you know, about like what happens when we push, push ourselves to the edge of what is like moral, quote unquote, with with technology. And so like if we're looking at this medium, which is this is like maybe not the first time, but it's one of the first times that a movie has been made like this. And then definitely the first time that it's going to be, because didn't we discuss that there's one of these choose-your-own-adventure things for, like, a Shrek spinoff? Like a Puss in Boots?
0: Yeah, something like that, yeah.
1: (laughs) That's also on Netflix, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if this is the one that's going to be, like, for adults or whatever. And then when you actually look at it, it's like, Okay, so we're let's take the medium and examine the medium, and then to do that we're going to look at other mediums within the medium. Right. So like I can see why they're where they're like, you know, now we're just critiquing the way in which people or maybe not critiquing, but like exploring the way in which people interact with different forms of media. Even if you think about like this is one of I think this the funniest parts of of Bandersnatch is when uh Guy from Narnia is like, the video game developer is like, what do you listen to when you get in the mood or whatever?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> He's like, get a pen. He says yep. it's so serious. <laughs> get a pen. So- As if like these albums will like make him a good video game developer. It's so silly. Yeah. But even that is like, okay, like the way that you interact with music when you are creating is mm-hmm. like brought up. But then, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's not earned yet. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. Okay, so we need to uh, in in a uh, uh, later we need to talk more about that that guy and, and mo- moments like that one that you called out. Uh, you called him the guy from Narnia. I would call him the guy from uh, Midsummer.
1: He's in Midsummer.
0: Yeah, we 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 need to talk more about him. That that's one of the big questions that I have for, for Bandersnatch. Yeah, is about him. But um, let's let me. I want to focus in on you. Use the word medium. Yes. I think the, the, the point, another way of approaching the point that I have in mind is with this interactive episode of Black Mirror, I think Netflix wants me to think this may be the launch of a new medium. Yes. And the problem I have is that like the first story that I'm being told in a new medium is like a meta textual examination of the medium and what it means and how it works. And it's like, well, could you like, could you slow down and just tell me at least one normal story using these mechanics? And then I'd like to like have some familiarity with like the, I, I know the tropes of the genre in terms of choose your own adventure books and yeah. video games with like divergent story that are sp- stories that are supposed to be controlled by the player but like taking this into television let's um, let's let's agree if we can that this is like the birth of a new medium yeah it's too soon to be like putting the tropes under a microscope when you're supposed to be, like, inventing the tropes of, of how this works and, and what it means.
1: Yeah. I feel like it was, like, they drew too much from their existing canon of episodes. Mm. And not enough from the fact that they're doing this novel thing. And then that made it novel and not, like, interesting. And, right. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I want to talk more about the story... And I want to talk about two, I have two ways in mind of of talking about it. And one is as sort of like big picture, what I think is not working about the themes. And the other is uh, more beat by beat, like some of the things that happen. Yeah. So um, do you want to hear about the themes first or do you want to tell me like what, your takeaway is of like what happens in this show.
1: Have you, yeah, let's talk about the themes in terms of my takeaway of the themes because I have just come up with an idea. Okay. Not really an idea. Have you listened to some of the more recent Arcade Fire albums post-Suburbs?
0: Yeah, I, I've i listened to Reflector um, e- enough and I've like just listened to to their new album
1: their new album is okay again oh is it everything now
0: yes uh, that's right i just remembered we, there was one in between and we've talked about this already i'm a defender of everything now
1: i my problem with everything now and this is my problem i think with the themes of bandersnatch right is that I get it. <laughs>
0: yes. So this is yes, you've brought up the other thing that is is necessary to say about Black Mirror is that once we got over the hump of this is a new show and the novelty of it and I thought, "Oh, this from afar not knowing what, you know, not having seen it, this seems like an interesting prestige smart thing." Then came a wave of tweets in my timeline Mm -hmm. making fun of black mirror and i and i favorited some of these tweets i think they're very funny tweets like somebody uh sorry i i don't have this to reference so i don't know who said what and so sorry i'm not attributing jokes to their authors but somebody tweeting wow this episode of black mirror is so intense and they've tweeted a screenshot of a scene from seinfeld where jerry is saying i had a dream that a hamburger was eating me (laughs) <laughs> um, or somebody who is like, I don't remember the whole tweet, but somebody who was like summing up Black Mirror by you know imagining somebody saying like, "Oi, the computer saw me bollocks," or, you know. So.
1: It's it's also it feels also like the way that Twitter interacts with Black Mirror feels very similar to um The Handmaid's Tale to mm-hmm, me,
0: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where it's just like people who are sincerely thinking about Black Mirror um on Twitter will be like. This is just like Black Mirror, and it's like no, Black Mirror is the reflection,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like Handmaid's Tale is a problem because it, it like is ignoring the like white, or it's 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 ignoring that it, it this, this happening to white women is what's new, right? Like, uh, and the same thing is true with Black Mirror, where it's just like, and w- when I say I get it, I mean like I think that, and I I guess I'm just evolved, will. But like, yeah, right. I get that consumerism is a thing. Mm-hmm. I am more concerned with capitalism, which falls above. I mean, which is above consumerism. And so when you have like everything now, it's like, oh, we want con- like instant gratification. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I do want instant gratification. Like,
0: I, th- I think both give me the drugs. I think both versions <laughs> of of the song "Infinite Content" are are really fun, and and I enjoy listening to them. Um, and I enjoy other other songs on that album too. Um I think that I will
1: I I will say I think their new album I was like oh thank god. They did sing the word unsubscribe once and I
0: huh. physically
1: cringed but
0: <laughs> yeah no I think that there's something there that is um maybe dis- it's I, I think it's uh, enjoyable despite not you know falling short of the heights that it's reaching for. Yeah. And I I think that um uh, the, po- the point that we're making is that black mirror is a subject of ridicule for some people because it's supposed to be very It's, it's ostensibly supposed to be very smart. It's yeah. clever and prestige. And actually it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's making some very obvious points. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it's, um, kind of, kind of lowbrow, uh, Disguising itself as highbrow. Which
1: I think to bring it back to something we were talking about earlier, I feel like Severance does the same thought process, but successfully, which is like, okay... Mm. Here's a This is why I thought Severance
0: might come up because it's sort of similar to like a Black Mirror story.
1: Like here's a concept. What, what, let's, what's every avenue of what would happen if we applied that concept?
0: Yeah. And it rules. Um,
1: (laughs) And it rules because it's so good. And I feel like maybe, I don't know. I feel like maybe part of it is just also because like people have to do these things to make money.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Whereas in Black Mirror, it always feels like, oh, maybe you didn't have to do this to make money. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I listened to a podcast about severance. Uh, it was uh, there's this podcast by the culture writers at the Atlantic, and the podcast mm. is called the Review. And the mm. only reason I care about this is because one of the culture writers for the Atlantic is David Sims, who is one of, of the course. hosts of the Blank Check podcast. And so if David is on the Review podcast, it has a rotating cast yeah. of posts and if David is on there talking about something that I've seen then I will listen to that episode as was the case with Severance I I can't say that I recommend listening to the review podcast but they they made one point that I thought stood out to me that I feel like I I should chastise myself for not arriving at this independently of them yeah but what is so funny uh is is that severance is on apple tv yes it is and 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 much of what severance is about is this cult uh for uh a steve jobs type you know industry leader (laughs) and the place that they work in is all like monochrome and retro looking and it's like Uh it couldn't be clearer that like Apple is the type of thing that they have in their crosshairs. And it's like <laughs> Apple presents the most obvious satire of Apple <laughs> and its culture and what it's done to us um, yeah. and Amazon, etc. Um So uh, back to uh, Bandersnatch. So, so uh, if you were writing the story that um, has a uh, medium of choose your own adventure. And so you want to cleverly uh, blend the medium in with the message. Mm -hmm. There are two major themes that keep being brought up that I think are separate. Yes. And I think that both each one is stealing attention away from the other. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't think that it works. And one is the more obvious one, which is it's about this character doesn't have free will because mm-hmm. you're making choices for him. And isn't that like how maybe none of us have free will? And that's, uh, you know, uh, that that comes straight from the medium of cho- yeah. of choosing your own adventure. But the other thing that comes straight from the medium is when you reach a dead end or an ending, you don't like you start over and you go back and you make a different choice. And they reference like the past is immutable. Like you can't go back and change things like that is a secondary, like separate theme in my Mm -hmm. mind to the not having free will choices are being made for you thing. And it Wants to do both because a choose your own adventure story has both, but I think that they're competing ideas and I don't think they, uh, they work either one of them. Yeah. I think that they're stealing focus from each other. And so neither one is really fleshed out to the point where it's interesting or has anything to say.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, something that we haven't explicitly brought up here, I mean, you've brought it up, but we haven't used the word for it yet, is the idea that us interacting with uh, with the show is breaking the fourth wall sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm, I was, have you seen Fleabag? Yes. That's a great example of a time that the fourth wall was broken, and I immediately gasped. Like, I was not expecting it. I should have, like, when I look back, I'm like, oh, this is an obvious thing to happen, and yet I did not expect it. So I just feel like, here, it's, like, exactly what you're saying, which is that you have these competing ideas, and so it's hard to... And if I'm remembering correctly, sorry, I'm, like, going off slightly, I feel like there's this whole, like, there's, like, multiple paths, but one of them is more, like, a demon-y path, like, there's, like, a demon type black magic situation and then one that's just more purely like almost like mental illness like it just feels like that too i was like it's too many too many things there's too many things let's get a thing
0: let's in a moment let's get into some of the specific stuff that happens or can Mm -hmm. happen in the story but first a quick word about fleabag uh I Something that I wrote on Letterboxd, I wrote it in the context of the movie The Father, and then I also brought it up for the movie One Night in Miami. One of the most ruinous things that you can tell me about a show or a movie is this was on stage first. Mm. If you tell me that, I am automatically, by default, always going to think, I bet the stage version was better. And uh, that's why this doesn't work for me very well. Yeah. From the first moment that Fleabag starts and she's talking to the camera and she's like, you know, when you do this and that and it's really specific and body, but I'm framing it like, you know, this happens to everyone. I'm like... Okay, that might be funny if it was like stand up or something. You didn't
1: like Fleabag? I'm not
0: that big of a fan.
1: <laughs> I loved Fleabag. No, I... But I will say I understand what you're saying. I remember watching it and thinking, I have seen this done before and yet I have not seen it done like and yet Phoebe waller Bridger, Phoebe Waller Bridges
0: Phoebe Phoebe Bridges
1: um is convincing me. That's what I thought. I thought this, it's, it's, she's the one pulling it off for me right now.
0: Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't want to disparage it. I don't think that it's unsuccessful or bad. Um, I think just for me personally, um, it was not all it's cracked up, up to be. And that, that has more to, that, that has more to say about me mm-hmm. than about it. Um, and I, I for, too clever by half is the cliche phrase that I would apply to it as I have applied to other things like uh, I Vice. I think I, I, think I was trying to tell you why I didn't like Vice and I said too clever by half and you were like, what do you mean? And <laughs> I tried to explain the phrase and you were like, no, no, like in that context, like why?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing I want to say about Fleabag and then we can absolutely move on is the one place that I had specifically seen this done before was House of Cards.
0: Oh, uh-huh.
1: With um, Kevin Spacey, who sucks. <laughs> and I feel like part of the reason that Fleabag does work is because of how short it is.
0: The The show in general?
1: It's two six-episode seasons. Right. So I feel like... She did something where she was like, this is a very compact thing where I'm doing this very specific sort of novel storytelling t- trick, mm-hmm. even, let's say. Yeah. And I think that if she had done a third season or done a longer se- longer seasons, I think that it wouldn't have worked. And I think that it, I feel like that's worth bringing up because I feel like very often things are just like, well, we'll just make as many seasons mm-hmm. to make money. Yeah. And so I appreciate that this is like a short or more of like a short story than like a yeah. novel.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's typical for the Brits. Um, but uh, obviously Netflix swooped in before they could uh, do a, a British exit with uh, Black Mirror. Yes. <laughs> um, so, OK, let's talk about some of the stuff that happens. And then I want to circle back to the guy who plays Colin Rittman. Yes uh so which which parts are important to talk about um you mentioned the demon so part par, yeah, part of the story is uh he is adapting this book into a video game and they the author of the book went crazy and killed his wife mm-hmm. and there's a demon in the game and so one, prominent version of the story is one where oh this is uh if it reminds me of like a Stephen King kind of a premise it's like there's there's a cursed idea and mm-hmm. and anyone who tries to work with this idea is cursed to go insane and kill someone yeah there's an so one
1: might even argue that there's a similar thought in uh, the most recent Marvel movie.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, there's a one of my other problems with Bandersnatch. Yeah, is that you can you can get various endings. Some of it, okay, small scale mechanically, it just doesn't work as tightly as it should. Yes. There's there is just there is no consistency to making it clear when you've arrived at a quote unquote major ending or a quote unquote minor ending or a quote unquote dead end. Sometimes it starts itself over. Sometimes Stefan wakes up from a dream. Sometimes the video game is being reviewed on TV, and sometimes there's like a shot of a television and there's something repeating on it and you have to go back to a previous choice. And sometimes there are two televisions and you choose between them which choice you're going to return to. And it's like, it's just unnecessarily very very messy. Yes. Um, So, okay, why did I get into that? Because... Right. There's a, the, the My other problem is that in all the different ways to end it, another thing that sometimes happens is that sometimes the credits roll. Yes. And there's one version in particular where they make it painfully obvious that this seems above the others like the canonical ending. Mm-hmm. Because the credits start to roll in title cards interspersed with action so the credits continue the story continues while you start to see the credits and it's like this doesn't happen in any of the other uh, any of the other versions so it just lends way more legitimacy to one of the endings over all the others
1: and is that like the good ending or whatever
0: well i i think that that's subjective yeah. But I think what's not subjective is that this seems like the one they want you to arrive at.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. So okay. you
0: can call it good for that reason, but <laughs> yeah. but like on a story level, it's not positive. It's not yes. like, oh, the best outcome for the characters. It what it is is it's the history repeats itself ending. Mm-hmm. So what happens is The the most obviously major turning point in the middle of the story is this moment where you, uh, here's another problem that I have with it. Sometimes it presents you with a binary choice and it's no choice at all. And sometimes that's for a good reason and they're making some sort of commentary. And other times it's like, it's, it's, it's pointless. Mm -hmm. So there's a pointless uh, non-choice where you are given throw tea over computer or destroy computer. Yes. And at this moment, he he refuses to to do what you tell him and he starts talking to you. He does everything but look at the camera because he's not that aware of what's happening, Mm -hmm. but he shouts to the heavens, who are you? Who's doing this to me? And you have a choice that can make him flip out. He goes crazy, not being in control. His dad confronts him. And then you have the choice to have him kill his dad.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And if you kill dad, and (laughs) then afterwards, you can bury the body or chop up the body. Yes. If you chop up the body, this will lead you down to the path to what I think is the the legitimized ending. Yeah. The history repeats itself ending. The other thing that keeps happening, and it happens way too much, and it makes you feel like I'm just like I'm in this hamster wheel and it's boring and it sucks is that he keeps going to his therapist. You just you yes. end up back at the therapist way too many times. And after he chops up the body, he's telling his therapist, "Oh, dad went on a trip and I feel good being alone for a change." Mm-hmm. And he's able to finish the game. Cut to the game is reviewed on the show. It it gets a glowing review. He calls it the perfect game. And then it's like a newscaster saying that's how Bandersnatch was reviewed back in the 80s. But, yeah. but today it's 2018 or whatever. And, a con- <laughs> and, and, and we know that the creator of that game was a psychotic murderer and he killed his dad. And now something uh, really controversial is happening. And that's that someone today is trying to remake the game. And the person remaking the game is interviewed. Uh-huh. And who it bum, is, bum, bum. who it is, is a grown up woman who we saw as a baby. It was the yes. other game developer's baby. And so she's grown up and she's making an interactive experience based on Stefan's game, which is what they say. Uh-huh. She's making it for a streaming service. The interviewer is uh-huh. like, it's Netflix, isn't it? And, <laughs> and so. And have you seen this, by the way, or am I? Oh, I have. Okay, yeah.
1: yeah. So I, we we when we when it first came out, we didn't get to every single ending, but we got we got got through a few endings. And also, I at one point when you were saying how like it's not clear what's an ending and what isn't, right. I immediately got frustrated by this. Yes. Um, and brought up a map.
0: Yeah. It's very it's very frustrating. It's designed so that you have to watch the same scenes over and over again a lot and mm-hmm. it is not interesting and it sucks and it's bad and I hate it. It's so boring. It's not done in any way that make, w- makes it fun or makes you like glad mm-hmm. to be repeating stuff. So anyway, the history repeats itself ending is why you know in between title card credits this woman is designing this game for netflix and then before it's over you have the choice to make for her throw tea over computer or destroy computer which is stupid those are two different versions of doing the same thing but (laughs) You have her destroy the computer, and that's the ending. And it's like, oh, she tried to adapt Bandersnatch, and now it's happening to her. She's going insane. History repeats itself. But by the way, here's something else that's really, really stupid. Before she destroys the computer, the game crashes on her, and before the game crashes, we see what it looks like. And do you remember what it is? No, I don't. It's the show.
1: That's right. Oh, yes, yes, of course, yes.
0: They say... That she's a, she is remaking the video game Bandersnatch. Yes. And then what we see her doing is making the TV show about the guy who made the game. <laughs> Those are very far from being the same thing.
1: Yes, they're very different. So
0: they tried to have their cake and eat it too. And it makes it confusing and stupid.
1: Yeah. And I think too, it's like at that point, the meta is just like thick frosting on an already sugary cake. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's again, I'll use that phrase again. We get it. Yeah,
0: right. (laughs) So, so here's here's what is supposed to make the show more engaging. Yes. Is that as you replay scenes and you try different choices, you will arrive at later scenes you've already seen but this time, when you get a choice point, there is a new choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Never a third choice, mind you, mm-hmm. but a replacement for one of the earlier choices. So there is a way, not by design so that it has to happen this way, but so that it might happen, that when you arrive at the point, crucial turning point of stefan yelling who's doing this to me Mm -hmm. one of the choices that you have is do you know what i'm going to say no i forget netflix that's right one of them is the netflix logo Uh
1: uh-huh
0: and you can start to communicate it's as if it is as if you the viewer are communicating with him via his computer right Yes. i am watching you on netflix Netflix is an entertainment streaming service in the 21st century. Um, So he goes to his therapist's office, explains his delusion. The therapist says, that doesn't make any sense. If you were a character in a form of entertainment, why would you do something so boring?
1: (laughs) Would, and Will's like, why, indeed? Exactly, yeah.
0: Which is a <laughs> which is a really, really risky thing to write into yes. your show, and I don't think it's a risk that pays off. But then her <laughs> question becomes: If this were entertainment, wouldn't you, as the viewer, want to see some more action? And then the cho- and then you have a choice, and the choices are between yes and fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then whatever you choose. Uh, A fight scene starts between the two of them. And then inexplicably, like, this should be the end of the road. But then inexplicably, there's another branching path within this branching path Uh that gives you two different endings. And one is where Stefan fights her. And so his dad drags him out of the office. Mm -hmm. And that's how it ends with him screaming like a lunatic being dragged off. Yeah, but there's also an alternative to fighting the therapist, which is leaping out the window, right, and that causes an ending where outside the wind, it's a set, he leaps off of the set, and you see, like, you see them making the show, and they call cut, and it's over, so, which is, which is fine, and, and I, I get it, I don't hate this, what I'm describing, yeah. I don't hate it. It's just that that it, it's pointless to have both of those. Yeah. The version where he gets dragged off isn't very good. Yeah. So I asked Dana to watch this last night. Mm-hmm. And I gave her as little guidance as possible. And something that happened uh, that I observed that happened in Dana's, I'll call it a playthrough... Uh-huh. of Bandersnatch is that she arrived pretty quickly and easily at this moment where it gets so meta that you're talking about Netflix. Yeah. And then it becomes a farce, basically. Like this is the version of it that is farcical. And this happens so early on that once it concluded and Dana had to rewind to a previous choice... Mm -hmm. It gives you the option to go to like every previous choice. And so she not really having enough experience with it to know what would make sense to go back to. Mm -hmm. She went back to immediately the previous one, which was karate chop dad or kick him in the balls. Right. Yes. And so she went back to that, had to rewatch what led up to that chose the other one and the only, it was literally a difference of like one shot and then the exact same thing happens and you have to watch it again. Yeah. It's completely pointless. If a choice is pointless and the difference is just one shot and then the same thing happens, don't make it a choice that you can return to. Yeah. (laughs) Make somebody work harder in order to verify and confirm that that's pointless or just make it clear hey that's just like gray it out or something you know Mm -hmm. so that that i could tell that was frustrating enough for dana that she was like well i'm significantly less engaged with this content than i was before they gave me the opportunity to make this pointless choice and i was basically punished by mm-hmm. having to rewatch a couple of scenes that I have no desire to watch immediately over again.
1: <laughs> Do you think that's why they made some of the scenes have slightly different dialogue?
0: Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's like that's like one reason.
1: Yeah. But what that does I mean besides the meta commentary, I feel like there's an... They were like trying to solve a problem that maybe they could have just solved by not having it be uh, exist. <laughs> there's an
0: uh, there's an unfortunate side effect to that, which is that it it makes you think, oh, it is it may be worthwhile to me to see the alternative to every choice. Exactly. Yeah. Which then becomes like exhausting. It becomes exhausting because you just rewatch the same stuff over and over again. It isn't particularly good. It's annoying the second time you see it when you just saw it for the first time. Yeah. And you're punished for it. Most of the time you're punished for it with seeing something that is not significantly different at all from what Mm -hmm. you just saw. And it de-incentivizes you. To do the exploring that you're supposed to be most interested in doing. Yeah. So, okay, I got into all of this by saying what's supposed to be most intriguing is when you revisit a scene and now you have a new choice. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about what what I think works best.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious.
0: There there are two things that I think work best for me and one is when you go down this path to just follow Colin because you see him on the street mm-hmm. and he takes you back to his place and he introduces you to his partner and his baby and then you do a drug trip and the and the drug trip scene <laughs> is probably the best scene in the whole thing. Yeah. And it's just Stefan quietly Having an LSD trip and things in the room, you know, getting swirly.
1: Yeah, as it does, as it's wont to do.
0: And while this is going on, Colin is having his own trip and Colin is experienced in this and he's doing this to educate you in what's going on. And he is going on this whole rant about free will, about how there are other Mm timelines and on and on and on. I think this part works really well. Um, Just performance wise, aesthetically, the way that it marries, like the content of the story and the medium of the story. um, The idea that if you, you know, if these characters take drugs, they get closer to the truth Of the circumstances that they're literally in. Um, I think that part works really well. Um, Now I can, I have a choice. I have a binary choice. I can either talk about that guy whose performance I want to talk about. Yeah. Or I can talk about a totally unrelated thing, which is what I also think works in the story.
1: Talk about... I want Okay, so I'm going to bring up a third option that we'll, we'll come back to when we finish this path.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, we'll, well, maybe not come back to exactly now, but I do want to, I have in my mind figured out what I think a successful version of this could look like.
0: Okay, let's, let's try to end on that.
1: Yeah, so I just want to bring that up so we have time and that you know that I have it in my brain.
0: Let me take a, 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 a sort of tangent, but it is related real quick about, I want to talk about this guy, Will Poulter. Yes. Unfortunately, his name is Will, <laughs> and I feel like we need to talk about him because, okay, I, I don't want to put anything else in in your head. You tell me, what do you think about this guy, the actor and the character in in this show? Do you have any thoughts?
1: Um, he's British.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I do know, this is maybe not totally relevant, but I do know that he, he is not a regular-looking, commonly-looking person. Mm-hmm. And I know that he was ve- bullied for this to the point that he sort of had to step away from acting or something like that for a while. Mm-hmm. I think after Bad- Bandersnatch came out.
0: Mm, that's interesting.
1: Um, because basically people were just being so mean about the way that he looked that it, like, fucked him up, basically.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I think that... I know that he was in that Narnia movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. What is... Is he one of the kids?
1: He's one of... He's not one of the kids, but he is a child in the movie, if that makes sense. And he's on one of the... He's on the boat one. Okay. He's he's not on, like... He's not in, like, the first one. He's not in the um, Mr. Tumnus one. Gotcha. Um, But he... I, I think his character is silly, but I don't think it's his fault. I think his character is silly because they're talking about video games like they're these, like... Like, even even in that first scene, it's like, you know, like, this is the guy. Like, he's, like, sitting there on his computer and he, like, is, like, you know, really leaning back and he's looking all cool or whatever. And then he's like, this is what I've been working on. And it's, like, a fucking pixelated dude just, like, falling. <laughs> and it's called Nosedive and he's going nose first. And it's like, that's not that dude's fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that that might be funny on purpose. I don't think that it's executed successfully. Yes. But they might have been, you know, attempting something that's pretty funny Um, about like, this is what video games were like in the 80s, but like, you know, somebody must have took them seriously to create them.
1: And clearly you and I take video games seriously. Yeah. And I think that pixelated games like that should possibly be taken seriously. It's just that the way that they build up this dude, like he's some sort of like
0: they talk Savant about yeah they, ta- they they're they you know the context is here's this book the work that i'm doing is adapting this book it's massive the undertaking that i'm doing is massive and yeah. i worship this genius video game developer he's my hero we meet him and we're introduced to his work and he's just making a normal arcade game like dig yeah. like dig dug or something yeah yeah and I, he's like oh i've played all your games i think they're fascinating it's like oh it seems like just like a like a like a plaything, yeah um so uh okay the reason the reason why i think we have to reckon with this is because i think that there's this like perfect storm of weird character as written plus actor and what he looks like and his voice and his performance yes and it and it's 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 beyond scene stealing it's it, uh, look, I'm I'm saying everything. Uh, I'm not saying just because of what his face looks like in real life. Yeah. I'm saying everything. It's also like his ca- hair and the way he's the glasses. styled, the way the characters written. It's it's like you placed an al- a space alien into your TV show. Yeah, and to some extent that that is intentional. But the reason why I think we have to reckon with it is I think that they may have gone overboard. Yeah. And uh, that's just another example of a thing that just, like, I think that they broke it more than they intended to.
1: And I think that this is a great example because I looked it up, and it was after Bandersnatch that he was bullied to the point that he, like, basically got off Twitter, which, I mean, I've never gotten death threats on Twitter or anything like that, but I do think that if somebody were to send me death threats, I I just always feel like I would simply not respond. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, like, I would just simply... Forget to care. Um, but I think that it's worth mentioning because he looks significantly less styled in Midsummer to the point that I did not realize that was the same person right. until you brought it up just now. So
0: I had to look him up to be like, I know I know this guy, but I don't know what from. I figured out it was Midsummer. And then um, I. I I should feel a little bit bad talking about him in this way, knowing what I now know what you've told me about the bullying and the dis- <laughs> Yeah. But I also I can't feel too bad for him because a apparent what I also learned from looking up his IMDb and I googled this to verify because I you know you see something that's supposed to be in the future and, on IMDb and it's like oh could you know it, it maybe something that's never going to happen maybe it's a rumor mm-hmm. that's a, I googled it I looked at news stories it seems like it's real. It seems like this guy Will Poulter was a appa- was apparently cast as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3.
1: Yes, I saw that just now.
2: Yeah. Which
0: I few people probably remember this to the extent that I do, but there's like a big tease at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 that this like this guy Adam is is going to come around next time. And so I feel like that part is like a big deal. Yeah. So
1: he's still acting, I guess is my point. He's definitely still getting work. It's not like Bandersnatch ruined him or anything
0: this is a this is a this is a type of actor who has to be used very specifically, yeah, and Bandersnatch is using him in that way, but dials it up so far past 11 that sometimes it's working for me, and sometimes it's like this is a huge distraction. mm-hmm. When it works best is there's this moment in the drug trip scene Uh where one of the trippy images that you see because Stefan is seeing it is uh, Colin takes off his glasses and he's and he's sort of grabbing Stefan and he's like, I, you know, come with me, I'm getting come with me i'm going to make you know you'll see you'll, you'll you'll see what i mean come and it's very intense and he's taking his glasses off and as long as he has his glasses off it looks like he doesn't have any eyelids and you just yeah, see yeah. Like too much of his eyeball and when you see this creepy effect it's like oh it's great that it's this actor doing this cuz it's so disturbing looking Yeah, um, that's like probably my fa- like visually and aesthetically my favorite part of the whole thing Here's the other thing that works, and it works on like a story level and like a mechanical level, Mm -hmm. is that there's this thing that you may probably return to, which is Stefan waking up in the middle of the night and stealing his sleeping father's keys to enter a locked room where there is a safe and there is a password to open the safe. Mm -hmm. And you will get two choices of what to enter for the password. But if you return to that scene later, having done other stuff, you will get new choices. Yes. If this, to me, should have more of the focus. Mm -hmm. This should be the crux of the thing, is that you keep You know, no matter what you do, no matter what path you go down, you keep coming to this scene that might be a dream sequence. Mm -hmm. And every time you come back to it, you come back with new information that has unlocked a new password. Yeah. And the version of this that I think works best is the one where you, with your agency as the viewer, focus on this as much as possible Yeah. And it gets you to an ending, which I think is way more interesting than the ending that they really legitimize with the whole interspersed credits thing. And whether so it's sort of a question, open question in my mind, whether they to what extent they did this successfully. I think it's sort of a failure because it seems secondary to a path where this whole thing is irrelevant yeah um and if that were more in the spotlight i i think oh i would think oh i am being more rewarded than i am punished Mm -hmm. for repeating things for seeing scenes over again
1: it would feel like a second chance instead of like, oh shit! Now I just have to watch this thing I already watched, and I'm glazing over, but I have to pay attention. But how much?
0: And if it felt like, oh, the goal is uh, there is a way to get into this safe with the right password. Yeah. Um, that it it that just holds a lot more intrigue. It just holds my interest a lot better mm-hmm. than other stuff that you the way that it's designed you're you're confronted with a bit more often and and a and a bit more easily, yeah I think the way if if I can speculate on their intention as they did design it, maybe they wanted the safe to be this you know you have to work hard to get to it yeah sort of you know you have to put in the effort that makes it more special Mm -hmm. um what i think it does in the way that they've designed the whole map you you referenced the map earlier yeah i think that the way that they designed the map it does not it gives too much weight to other things that i'm way less interested in Yeah. Then the scene where he wakes up in the middle of the night and what's in the safe and how can he Mm -hmm. open it. Um, I also think it's interesting. If I've if I've taken a complete inventory of the ways that this can go, Mm -hmm. there are two passwords that don't unlock the safe Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: there are two passwords that do. Mm hmm but each password that works leads to something different happening
1: right yes
0: which is fun because it's yeah. sort of like well that's not literally how it should go yeah but it's like oh it's like you're bending reality yeah with the power of these like different passwords which you had to unlock with you know different experiences okay I want to hear your version, the conclusion that you've come to.
1: So, like, I think that, you know, I asked you this big question, which is that, like, do you think this is fundamentally flawed? hmm And you answered, no. You don't think it's fundamentally flawed.
0: Yeah. yeah. I th- I, in theory, yes. The idea of doing this is not fundamentally flawed. This yes. execution is what's of the flawed. premise is fundamentally flawed.
1: So I am I was – this whole time I was trying to think, okay, what would – and you also brought up the fact that, like, this is too meta, which I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what would be the premise that would work for this medium? And you brought up too, which I think is – was I had already thought of this, but you bringing it up is relevant. The idea that, like, solving a puzzle – or, like, by a puzzle I mean, like, you know, getting more opportunities to watch something with the password thing. Mm-hmm. I think that – and the other thing I want to say before I reveal is that I think that writing these books is incredibly complicated. Mm -hmm. Like I think the fact that um, some of the sloppiness you pointed out, like you were shown a scene in a recap that you hadn't actually seen yet, um, I don't think that that's – to- I don't know what it was like behind closed doors, but that makes complete sense to me that something like that would slip through just because of how fucking complex these things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, I don't want to say I forgive that so much as I just like, I'm under. i yeah. I'm sure that they looked through it a million times. And the fact that they didn't catch it, I think speaks more to the medium than it does to their um, close eyes.
0: Totally understandable. I don't think it's forgivable personally.
1: <laughs> yes. Um. I think that if you were to make another one of these and have it be like an Agatha Christie style mystery Mm -hmm. and the way that it would function in my mind would be a couple of things. The first would be that the decisions you were making wouldn't radically change the like path of the story, like the plot. It would change the information you got to receive. Right,
0: yes. It's like something that plays out perhaps in real time or close to it. And you have to choose who you talk to and where you go. And as you make those choices, you're like, oh, well, I, since I went here and talked to this person, I lost the opportunity to go there and talk to yes. the other person.
1: And on top of that, it would allow you to pick up certain items
0: mm-hmm.
1: that would maybe let you get other interactions that you wouldn't otherwise, like a password to a safe or a key right. to a safe. And then at the end you know, you would basically have to guess who you think. You'd have to use the information you had to try to solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot to be said here in terms of, like, replay value. Like, if you get it right, is it worth it to even play it again? Maybe, maybe not. Um, But I think that that would allow for there to be some of the complexity, but with still a single narrative plot that we're following. Even if we're sort of going up and down it or around different parts of it,
2: yeah.
1: Um, and I'm I'm thinking of this also because I just saw my mom in that Agatha Christie play playing, um, the like solving the problem lady whose name I can't, Ms. Marple. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching this play that was done by local theater, granted they didn't write it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, somebody else wrote the play. But as I was watching this local theater play, I was literally sitting there like, oh, okay, this is solvable. Mm -hmm. And I'm experiencing this and I'm going to get my own chance to solve it. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way too. Have you watched The After Party yet? No. So The After Party too, I did not take the time to investigate it closely because I just didn't, I don't, I'm not. 15 years old with all the time in the world, but which is not not knocking anybody older. I just mean that at that time in my life, I would have been all in
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> on figuring it out. But I remember watching it and thinking, oh, this is very solvable.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I feel like having that agency where you get to sort of decide what information you're going to focus on. Right. While also not having to do the full work of like a video game where you have to like necessarily click on each piece of dialogue that you're interacting with Mm -hmm. and you might be able to get some really great actors and actresses um because i think too i think mysteries are very difficult to write i don't want to downplay that but i think the fact that my mom's local theater group like local theater was able to successfully pull off a mystery shows that it can be done without needing like a Meryl Streep to mm-hmm. convince me of it if the writing's good enough. And we mm-hmm. already know that we have people in the world who can do writing like this.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. No, I think, it, yeah, your idea is a great one. You make really good points. Hire hope, me, Netflix. Well, I was going to say, I hope Kenneth Branagh is listening. <laughs> this is your next uh, Hercule Poirot uh, project, served <laughs> up a, a silver platter. Um, You said the words replay value uh, a few moments ago. Yes. And that reminded me that I haven't made it clear. One of the mechanical, functional, horrible failures of Bandersnatch is that because you have to rewatch stuff that you have no desire to Mm rewatch. Problematically, all you want to do is fast forward. Yes. And it's basically impossible. To yes. Fast forward in a, a scene of Bandersnatch, you can go ten seconds ahead at a time, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can't even do that. And when it locks you out of doing that, sometimes you are punished by seeing the same line like a second time. You're like, "Oh, I'll skip ahead ten seconds." Oh, no! I actually just triggered restarting the line of dialogue that I just he- heard and saw yeah. happen. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just the same as playing a broken video game or a video game that has like really poor controls. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: I think you make some really good points. And, um, I, I think the thing that makes me most sad about Bandersnatch, if I'm being honest, is that I think it's fun. The idea of it is fun. Yes. And it makes me sad that we don't have a fun Bandersnatch. A
0: successful, yeah, functional, fun to play, better, interesting version of this. Yeah, I think that that that's important to point out because that leads me to say, if it wasn't clear already, the the reason that I think that this is worth talking about mm-hmm. is because I do want this to be good, and yeah. I am I'm, I'm interested. I'm not so interested in everything that I think is a failure or is bad. I'm interested in, in examining this object because I think that it's a failure in interesting ways when I, I, I'm in just invested enough to, to want to enjoy it and like it and for it to be a success. Yeah. Um, not so much the, the medium, the mechanical aspects of it, but the, um, you know, some of those tropes that it's playing with on a story level um, I love in other fiction. For example, yeah. recently, I loved The Matrix Resurrections, mm-hmm. which goes to such a meta place that it makes part of the story about Keanu Reeves's character being the video game designer for a trilogy of games called The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not only that, but. There's this trope that I haven't so firmly put my finger on it that I can describe it in a succinct way. Mm-hmm. but the the long-winded version is there's this trope in fiction, uh, especially TV and sometimes movies where um, the the characters have a vague inkling. That like we've met before, or we've done this before, or this seems eerily familiar, mm-hmm. and they don't know why, but we know why. Dramatic irony. Yeah, but this like, but this in this very specific specific context, example, yeah. yeah, of of dramatic irony, where it's like, oh, it's it's you know, there's there's some usually like a sci-fi fantasy reason why they're like they're living like a second life and it's like they're encountering one another again, but they don't have memories of the life where they've met before, but we've seen it happen. This happens with Neo and Trinity and the matrix resurrections. I go, I go apeshit for, for, for that trope in fiction. I'm just, (laughs) Oh, it's so like, it's, it's so energetically charged that like, I know their history, but they don't. But they feel it like on a subconscious level. Like yeah. they feel like they know something's going on. They don't know what. Like,
1: um, Eternal Sunshine.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That too. Um. And they. Uh, yeah. They. They dabble in that in Bandersnatch. And. Um. Yeah. I should be a, a sucker for it, but for for a number of reasons, it doesn't. Doesn't quite work because it's... Um, doesn't land. It's just so annoying.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. All right. There's a lot that we haven't talked about, but is there anything important that we've left sitting on the table and we haven't picked up?
1: I mean, I think the only other thing that's, I guess, sort of worth mentioning is I feel like... Um, I don't think that Bandersnatch does this too much, but... I think the concept that somebody is mentally ill, so they murdered somebody,
2: mm. is
1: like you get into some weird territory there.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that, like, you know, somebody was possessed by a demon, so they murder somebody is like maybe a better choice. Mm. But, you know, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, like I just said, I just mentioned a murder mystery. Like, I think that murder mysteries are sort of inherently flawed a lot of the time. Mm. Um I think that they make a game out of something that um is like deeply like fucked up. This, <laughs> and we just yeah. sort of pretend that that part's not fucked up.
0: Have you because, watched um have you watched Twin Peaks?
1: No, Kenny has. Yeah. I know it's about a murder.
0: Yeah, so this is I look, I I probably would not have arrived at this conclusion without the help of a very annoying person on YouTube who has made videos that are hours and hours long saying like, no, I literally have come to the correct interpretation of Twin Peaks and here it is. And um, in a certain way, that's like insufferable. But on another level, he makes enough good points that I was interested enough to watch it, and and some of what he said stuck with me, and with his help, yeah, I've come to the conclusion that like, the problem that you just laid out with murder mysteries is yeah. the very thing that is like the reason for Twin Peaks's existence. That that's that's what it's trying to reckon with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is think of how devastating it would be to a whole community of people. If a young person was actually murdered. Yeah. But on top of that, don't we as an audience want the entertainment of watching a detective solve that case? Yeah. And it's sort of doing both things at once and making this unique art object out of the the contradictions but also the blending of those two modes. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, you know, what I, I think in my mind, one of the, the better ways that art can reflect life is that like, oh, you know, it, yeah, there's a there's a bunch of contradictions and there's a bunch of like compartmentalization that you need to do to to go on living. And it's, it's, yeah, it's all those things. It's like really horrible and tragic, but it's also like, you know, the, the very next moment, there's like this farce of a thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I think, I think part of the reason I brought it up too, especially with like, um, like also bringing up like them using murder mis- like not murder, them using mental illness to justify a murder in these, in, in, is that I think it's sort of lazy at this point.
2: mm Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if
1: you want to talk about what it means to be obsessive or what it means to be so in your head about something that you can't break out of it. Like, I think that that's a like a more interesting thing than to be like, he would do anything, including murder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, I don't like when you were talking about like, this is like the laziest thing you could write about. I feel like that's like part of that, too, where I'm just like. I don't know. I mean, it's also like, I don't know. I guess everybody has to has to interact with something for the first time. But as somebody who's not, I want to say, full-on a media person, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not watching films for my job and TV for my job. I feel like I, I can ask a little bit more reasonably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a been there, done that sort of uh, uh, feeling to, yeah, the type of story that you're talking about, the aspect of this story which is yeah, we're gonna watch this uh, slow un uh, unraveling. It's you know he must have a mental illness, mm-hmm. and so the only thing that that could culminate in is is he murders somebody and goes to goes to uh, an institution. Um, His
1: video game is successful, but at what cost? But at what
0: cost? <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah he's a, the uh, mad genius of an of an artist. I do think there's something I, I don't want to give them a whole lot of credit for doing this because mm-hmm. I think that they they do a lot to just like sensationalize the like madness and the murder mm-hmm. and to, you know, make you do that and, and um, make that inevitable. But also, without giving them too much credit, I just feel like I have to point out the fact. That there is a version of the story where you multiple times opt not to kill Stefan's dad. Yeah, and only by doing that twice do you unlock the ending, which I think is best, which is the one where you get like the final password to the safe. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Do you know what that? You said you got like. You think you got all the endings. Do you know what ending I'm talking about?
1: I don't remember off the top of my head. No. So
0: like the biggest part of the story that we haven't talked about is that the um, Stefan's mom died. Yes. And she got on a train that derailed and she would have gotten on an earlier train if only a young Stefan, a five-year-old Stefan hadn't been obsessively looking for his toy rabbit, mm-hmm. which his father hid from him. So it's like they're both to blame for her death. And there's a a version of the story where you don't kill the dad, you go back to waking up at night going into the locked room, and the password, I think the final possible password for the safe is toy. And you get and the rabbit is in the safe. And Basically, as if in a dream, Stefan is magically transported to being five again. And he doesn't have to look for the rabbit because he has it. Mm -hmm. Which would make you think that he would save his mother's life. Mm -hmm. But instead, when she's trying to leave, he's still searching for it. And Mm -hmm. he goes, found it. And so he's ready to go with her. But they're still delayed enough to get on the train that you know is going to derail. Yeah. So the ending is that you opt for five-year-old Stefan to die with his mother. Yes. And this is, unfortunately, I think the best of the endings. I
1: think it is too. Yes. I it, remember this now. It
0: has a great needle drop. It, a song starts playing called Oh Superman. Mm-hmm. And... uh that And it's a and it's a you know what I think it is a lot like is it, it's a lot like Donnie Darko.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like there's this moment in the present where he's just sitting dead in the therapist's office and the therapist is like he just closed his eyes and suddenly he's dead. Yeah. And it's like he mentally traveled to the past and died in the present. uh, It's. It's cool. I think it's sort of neat. It's sort of neat and interesting in this sci-fi fantasy, um, morbid, melancholy sort of way. I don't think it's great because I think that it's sort of stupid <laughs> that even though he has the rabbit, they still have to get on the late train. Yeah. Um. But that's what it just what it needs to be in order to be sad. Yeah. So it's sort of convenient Mm -hmm. it's too convenient it's like it's done well except for this thing that's too convenient that is a distraction yeah now now i feel like i've truly said it all of my all of my main takeaways
1: yeah well uh i mean i think you've i think you've made a compelling case for how they should like some edits for the next bandersnatch
0: yeah bandersnatch
1: 2 snatched again
0: Mm, yeah, and hopefully not.
1: Bandersnatch 2, just banter this time.
0: No snatch.
1: <laughs> Nothing to snatch.
0: There's um.
1: <laughs> Nothing to snatch but our hearts.
0: There's yeah, and there's something else that could be said about this which we haven't said, which is: is there any compelling reason you can think of why it's called Bandersnatch? That's I ju-
1: think just it's like a sci-fi type name.
0: That's if you know where it, it comes from, Jabberwocky.
1: Oh, it does? Yeah, okay.
0: I, it's like a Lewis Carroll. It's it's a it's a word that Lewis Carroll... There's a line in Jabberwocky, I believe, where it says, shun the frommiest bandersnatch.
1: Oh, yes. It's from Through the Looking Glass, mm-hmm. specifically the hunting of the snark.
0: Okay, yeah. So it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a name for a monster. Lewis Carroll made it up. Yeah. I guess there is a point where he does literally travel through a mirror so he goes through a looking glass yeah it uh, it's just one it's just another one of it. it's just a, there's just a long laundry list of things that it's just like ah uh, it feels like it feels like you you did this halfway
1: apparently so i'm now i'm looking at and then i know we have to end i'm looking at the bandersnatch wikipedia article mm-hmm. for the turn like the lewis carroll bandersnatch yeah and apparently there have been there was a a game called or something called Band like they've used the name Bandersnatch to make in video games before. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is interesting. Oh sorry. This might actually be why. Computer science. Batter Bandersnatches are the subject of a difficult algorithm design project for an apparently NP complete problem in the academic theoretical computer science book. I wonder, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know what the words I just said are.
0: Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good reason for calling it that.
1: But that seems probably what it's.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's something. Okay. So. to. But man,
1: that was difficult to find.
0: To give them some credit, perhaps there is some stuff going on here. That is a little smarter than I'm aware of Yeah. because of the knowledge that I have or s- more specifically that I don't have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the whole thing. Cool. Is that there's interesting stuff going on there, which is why I think that it's worth looking closely at what makes it a failure. Because yeah. what, wouldn't it – because there's some interesting stuff, and wouldn't it be neat if it was good?
1: Yeah, we're not mad at at Bandersnatch. We're I'm just a little disappointed.
0: mad. I'm <laughs> I am definitely disappointed. I'm I'm a little bit mad, and also I'm definitely disappointed. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm, that's uh, that's it. That's it. I've I've done it. The congratulations, Will. The topic that's been in my back pocket for about two years. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I can. I can uh, get that. You can that. sleep easy. I can, yeah, that monkey is off my back now. <laughs> and we can move on.
1: That rabbit toy is securely in your hand.
0: And we will move on next month, right?
1: Well, we'll either talk about something great or something that will definitely make me literally cry.
0: I'm ready whenever you are.
1: <laughs> talk to you next month, Will. Bye, love you. Love you
0: too. Bye-bye.
1: Will is on Twitter and Letterboxed at youngest of one. And his website is williamhoffacker.com.
0: You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.